Good morning. Welcome to everyone here this morning. <clears throat> Welcome to all those uh, watching on Facebook Live this morning and those listening on the radio. What a great and glorious morning it is. First of all, I'd like to thank our guest musician, Katie Bradigan, this morning for doing the prelude. Thank you, Katie. The uh, flowers on the altar this morning are in honor of Dorothy Prieter, who will be 97 on October 15th. Uh, I see Dorothy's not here this morning. Hopefully she's listening on the radio or watching on Facebook. So happy birthday, Dorothy. The rose on the altar is, today is in honor of Larry and Karen Niemeyer, who will celebrate 55 years of marriage on Friday, October 23rd. Happy anniversary to Larry and Karen. Over in the Heritage Room is the Algays County Crisis Center Quilt of Hope. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You're invited to stop over and look. The blue jug is out by the quilt for those who would like to support the work of the Crisis Center. One other announcement this morning, the uh, adult Bible study uh, this morning, our Sunday school class that meets in the Ministry Center has been canceled for this morning. So if I would ask everyone who can stand to please stand and join me in the call to worship. call to worship this morning comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour through his speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises as one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. All the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure and enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, much more pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them the reserve is warm. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own efforts? Given and they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord and my Redeemer. Now, if you join me and stand and remaining standing and singing hymn number 58, this is my Father's world.
You may be seated. Now we ask that all the children come forward for children's chat with Mrs. Lammers. You're not? All right. Oh, there they come. There's some more. Open oh, some are coming down from up high. All right. Come here, Caroline. Can you come sit right here, please? How are you today? Yeah, you were sitting with Grandma and Grandpa. Oh, there's a couple hoagie kids. How are you guys? Good. Good. All right. So, I brought some things in my box today. Okay, let's take a look at these. What do we have here, Caroline? An apple. What else do we have? A tomato. Yeah. Lila's, Lila says a leaf. Yep. What color is my leaf? Uh, red. Red, yeah. Okay. We have part of a mum. We have, what do we have here? A, a gourd, a pumpkin, a mini pumpkin kind of thing. What do we have here? Corn. What do these things all have in common? Yep, the corn came out of the field. Did you get to ride with Grandpa? Uh, no. I rode on combine with you. Yep. Okay. So, we have all kinds of things in here. We have more leaves. Some of the leaves are green. Some of the leaves are kind of purple. Yeah. What do these things, what do you think about when you see these things? Yep. What? Fall. Yeah. We're in the season of fall, right? It's getting kind of chilly out. Yeah? Do you know what these things remind me of? God's beauty. Because who makes the leaves change colors? Yeah. Okay. So... How many of you have been noticing as you're driving around all the leaves that are changing colors in the trees? Yeah, they're really beautiful this right now, aren't they? Yep. Is the woods around your house really pretty right now? Yeah. So Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. You know, I think that God sometimes is talking to us through the beautiful things that he gives us each season, okay? So, not like, Courtney, this is God. He doesn't talk to us like that, does he? No. But the things that he gives us, the beautiful things that we have around us in nature, he talks to us that way. And it's not just in fall. We can think about beautiful things about every day of the year. Okay, so every year God replenishes the leaves on the trees, right? Because they're getting ready to fall off. Then what happens in the spring? They grow back, right? Yeah, every year he is giving us colors that are beautiful and exhilarating. Every year he lets the leaves fall to the ground and they decompose and turn into fertilizer for the area around them. And then... 
God is always taking care of his world in quiet ways that we sometimes miss. So God is also always giving us evidence that he is with us when he does these things. The sunshine in the summer, the snowflakes in the winter. For me, it's kind of like God whispering to me all the time. Look, I'm here with you. Look, look what I made for you. And he does all of that because he loves us so much. So if we listen and we watch carefully, God is going to show his love and his presence here with us all different kinds of ways. So I want you, you have homework, okay? Your homework today is to look around outside And tell mommy or daddy or whoever you're with all the beautiful things that God made that you can see. Okay? So let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the beauty all around us. Thank you for this beautiful weather. Thank you for the change of seasons. Thank you for letting us know that you are with us every day in so many ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great day. Amen. Thank you, Maria. And this time, I get to invite forward Sharon Colson. She's going to be giving us an update on Operation Christmas Child and how we all can stay involved in that ministry this time of year. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Good morning. Fall is also a good time to remember that Operation Christmas Child is only a few short weeks away. And it is encouraged, you are encouraged to pack all year long, as I know some of you have. Since 1993, Operation Christmas Child has been delivering shoeboxes to children all over the world as a way to reach them to let them know that Jesus loves them. This is my second year as project leader for Operation Christmas Child here at First Church. COVID, of course, has changed a few of the ways that we are handling Operation Christmas Child this year. The processing centers are running as normal, but instead of having a packing party like we did in the social room last year, since I now have an OCC room upstairs above the elevator, it is stocked with all kinds of things that can be put into a box. And the Sunday school classes will be finding that out in the next couple weeks. On Sunday mornings, I encourage you to come a few minutes early before church or stay after church. And if I'm not in the room upstairs, if I happen to be in a Sunday school class doing a presentation, you are more than welcome to grab one of the boxes and start packing. It's kind of like a shopping spree. So do whatever you want. Um, There are so many, so many things in there that you can choose from. As you pack, you can also take the boxes that are at the entrances and take those home with you and pack at home if you'd prefer. There are several items that I, I do want to emphasize. Do not ever go into a shoebox. The most common items that have been taken out of shoeboxes at the processing centers are toothpaste, 
You can put in a toothbrush, but you cannot put in a tooth, put in toothpaste because it has an expiration date. And I've been told that any shoebox that contains a toothbrush, that child will get toothpaste at the site when he gets his shoebox. Another item you cannot put in, these wonderful sparkly glitter balls. They have liquid in. So anything that is liquids, lotions, medicines, any type of item like that is a forbidden item and will be taken out. You can put in scissors. However, you cannot put in knives of any kind except for a butter knife. Silverware is great. Your own personalized little cup and bowl is wonderful. Kids just think that's great to have their own set of silverware and their own, their own place setting. You cannot put in anything that is war-related, such as army camouflage. However, if you have colored camouflage, like the pink camo or hunting camo, that is fine. Some of these boxes do go to war-related countries. And so um, I actually, I might have said this before, one of the things I took out of a box last year was a, uh, a green, a darker green shirt, girl's shirt, but it had little stripes on it, which could be taken as this is like, like a military insignia. So I, I took that out. Going back to the uh, packing upstairs, the room upstairs is open from 8.30 on Sunday mornings until 11.30. So stay after if you'd like. And also, I am in here on Wednesdays from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Now, a little bit about the processing center. My husband and I and many members, members of our family will be going to Charlotte from November 30th to December 5th. And there is interest by some members of this congregation and other people from New Knoxville to go also to Charlotte independently. I also have information in regards to the Chicago Processing Center. The location for Chicago has not yet been determined, but I do have information on how to do volunteer signups for that. So if you are interested in making a trip to Chicago, as I know some of you have said, uh, I actually intend to go to Chicago for several days after we get back from Charlotte. If you have any further questions, uh, feel free to contact me uh, or leave a message with Connie at the church office. Uh, stop and see me anytime. We have uh, only about four weeks left to pack shoe boxes. All the shoe boxes have to be turned in by November 15th when we will have Celebration Sunday. I encourage you to keep packing. Thank you.
I do want to encourage you all to be as involved in that ministry as you're able to be. Um, I know we've packed boxes as a family the last couple of years, and, and the kids have always enjoyed it. Um, but I also know that, that taking a box home and packing it yourself can be a little pricey at times. And so uh, coming in on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights is also an opportunity to get involved in the ministry, pack boxes with items that are already here. And that's a way that you can get involved and help serve by and also not um, maybe take such a hit to your wallet as well if that is a concern for you. So there are definitely ways to be involved uh, and, and I encourage you to get involved in whatever way that looks for you. And one of the most important things you can do for the ministry, of course, is to pray for them. So pray for Operation Christmas Child and pray for our impact here at First Church and our involvement too. As we think about prayer this morning, I also want to encourage you to be praying for the Auglaes County Crisis Center. As Dave pointed out this morning, the quilt is over there in the Heritage Room. Um, it is it is brought here this morning. It's actually making a round to many churches in the community uh, this time of year. Um, this is Domestic Violence Abuse Awareness Month, um, so we want to we're glad to be able to participate in that. Just a, a note of clarification about the blue jug that's over there. They did not uh, bring the quilt here this morning asking for donations. It is simply a, a something to raise awareness about what their ministry is about and, and the services they provide. Um, the blue jug is something that we have, as a church, have decided to put out. They are one of the recipients of our designated offerings throughout the year. And so um, because this is... Um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and they, the quilt is here this morning. If you would like to give, uh, the Blue Jack is available over there, and any money that's put in there will go to the Crisis Center. And so I want to encourage you, if you're able, to support that ministry uh, as well. Um, it's something we chose to do as a church in order to bless them uh, this Sunday. I also want to thank you all for your understanding this past week. I know um, last week with us not having in-person services, it was a it was it's a, it's a difficult decision to make at times like that. Um, but I appreciate all of your understanding and why we had to make that choice. And I appreciate all of you being back here with us again this morning. I do think that meeting together in person is is extremely valuable. It's extremely important. And so I want to encourage us as a as a community, as a church family, to do everything we can so that we can continue to meet in person because uh, it is important for us to do that. Uh, and so I want to thank you all for for playing your part in that and and also want to encourage those who are not with us this morning watching on Facebook or listening on the radio. Um, you are certainly a part of this church family as well, and we are so glad that you are worshiping with us that way, even if you are not here with us in person. Uh, again, I, I've said this many times over these past six or seven months. Thank God for the, the blessing of technology that we're able to still worship together in that way. So whether you're here in person, whether you're watching on Facebook or listening on the radio, we are so glad that you are worshiping with us here this morning. Um, so as we, as we turn to the Lord in prayer, I encourage you to keep those families, those individuals who've been directly affected by COVID, especially in our church family, in our community, in your prayers, as well as for uh, leaders in our community, our nation, around our world, as we continue to um, navigate this pandemic. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Father God, uh, first we, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that, that you have reached out to us, your people, and have made a way for us to be part of your family. Lord, we don't deserve it. In fact, we have done nothing to earn our place as a son or daughter of God. Scripture says that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, that we've all fallen short of your glory. And so the good news of the gospel is not that we have found our way back to you, but that you have made a way for us to be with you. 
that through Christ and His death on the cross that You have forgiven our sins, You have cleansed us from all unrighteousness, and, and we can have that relationship with You like we were intended to have in the first place. And so, Lord, it is all because of You that this is possible, and it is all because of Your goodness and grace that we are here this morning and can worship You as one body, Your body here at First Church, and also those with those that are listening on the radio and watching on Facebook. Lord, You are... You are holy and you are righteous and you are just and you are gracious and merciful and loving. And and it's those qualities that came together at the cross. And when Jesus laid down his life so that we may live, when Jesus' blood was shed so that we could be forgiven, it was both your, your holiness and your righteousness, your grace and your mercy that was on display. And we thank you and praise you for that. Lord God, we lift up these ministries to you this morning as well. We pray for Operation Christmas Child and thank you for the good work that it does around the world. We pray, Lord, for your provision to be with them uh, through this church and the donations and the boxes that are packed, as well as churches and organizations and individual families around this country, Lord, who are, uh, who are packing boxes and preparing for that season even now. We thank you for your provision and pray for your blessing in that Each person, each child that receives one of these boxes, Lord, may they be blessed, not just physically, Lord, but spiritually as well. May they know the love of Christ uh, through this practical gift. Lord, we also pray for the Auglaise County Crisis Center. We thank you for the work that they do, and we pray, Lord, that you would provide for them as well. Lord, as we, uh, as we host the, the quilt here this morning to raise awareness, may we also, Lord, feel, feel the, the nudge to give towards that. And may, may our support and our giving make a positive impact in our community. Lord, we also lift up those who are uh, dealing with COVID uh, from our church family, from our community, around our nation, and around our world. Lord, um, we pray for healing for those that are sick. We pray for a full and complete recovery. And we also pray, Lord, for those who have lost loved ones to this disease. We pray for your comfort and your peace. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to once again stand with us as we sing number 271, Standing on the Promises.
remain standing for the reading of the scripture. You can follow along in your Bible or in your bulletin. Reading from Proverbs 3, beginning on at verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Also from Proverbs 30, beginning with verse 7. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. You may be seated. Thanks again, Sharon. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you that we have this time this morning to worship you. I pray now as we turn our attention to your word that you give us wisdom about uh, the subject matter at hand. Lord, money is not always an easy thing to discuss. um, And so I pray that you would open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this day. May we be open to the truth of your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Remember my church family back home in Busti, New York, uh, the pastor there, his name is Pastor Roy. In fact, he's still the pastor serving at that church. Uh, but I remember when I was younger and, and the Sunday before April 15th, uh, he'd always take one Sunday out and talk about finances, talk about money and wealth. Uh, since it was already obviously on everybody's mind, since that was tax day, he thought it was a good opportunity to, to take that time and talk about God's view of wealth and money and how to handle it. Now, that may be a you know, wise idea, but we also need to remember that, that money is something that is important for us to talk about all the time. Unfortunately, most people, many people, I should say, are uncomfortable talking about it in a straightforward way. Like religion and politics, many of us have been taught not to talk openly about money, right? It's too personal. It hits too close to home. And so instead of talking about it in a straightforward way, most of us avoid the subject. But I believe if we learn to talk about difficult things rather than ignore them, you know, that would be helpful. And we'd be certainly in a very different position as a society. But that's a different topic for a different time. The Bible speaks a lot about money. This Bible speaks about money more than almost any other individual topic uh, throughout Scripture. And so something as powerful with the potential for both good and evil, right, it, it deserves our attention. Money is important, and so we need to talk about it. And we need to talk about it in the context of wisdom. Right? That's what we've been talking about through the first few weeks of our sermon series here about Proverbs is, is wisdom and wisdom being the knowing the difference between right and wrong, not just having information, but knowing what to do with it and how to apply it in a given situation. 
And so we've kind of laid a, a foundation the first few weeks of the series talking about wisdom in general and, and why it's important and what it is. And over these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about more specific topics. And the first one we have on hand here is money and how to honor God with our wealth. And so we need wisdom, especially in this area, because the right thing to do is not always clear. And even when the right thing to do is clear, it's not always easy to follow the right path. And so wisdom is very important for us. And money in particular, right, says a lot about what we value and what we believe to be true, right? How we handle our money and our finances says a lot about where our heart is, right? Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what we, what we do with our money, how we spend our money, the kind of things that we spend our money on says a lot about who we are as a person and, and the things that we value and the things that we believe, Somebody once told me that if you want to know what someone really cares about, what someone really worships, if you want to put it in those sorts of terms, all you have to do is look at two things. One is their calendar and how they spend their time. And the other is their checkbook, what they spend their money on. You know, our checkbook really does give us an indication about what we value and what we believe to be true. And so in that sense, we got to be careful because money can also be an idol if we're not careful. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. But before we get on to how we honor God with our wealth and how we use our money wisely, we need to first talk about what the Bible says about where our money comes from. Because that's important. Because that's the foundation of everything else that we're going to be talking about here today. We need to recognize that our money, our finances, our provision ultimately comes from God. He is the provider of all things. We know from Scripture that He is the creator and sustainer of the universe, right? We think about that often in, in very big terms, right? That he created the heavens and the earth, that he holds each star in place, that he is the one that keeps the earth spinning on its axis, right? We often think about that in very broad terms, but it's also true in very specific terms, that he is the creator and sustainer of us as individuals, which means that he provides for us in our, very, our own individual needs, if he provides for creation in that way, how much more will he provide for you? So what Jesus is getting at here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, when he's talking about worry, but he also gives us an idea of how to view our provision from the Lord. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need him. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. You see, God is the one who provides for us, and he provides not just in, in the large ways, but also in very specific ways as well. And often the way that God provides is not 
manna from heaven. Right? Remember God's people wandering through the wilderness? They, they, they had nothing. And so God provided for them by, by bringing manna from heaven. Every morning they woke up and all they had to do was go out and gather some of it. And that's what, how God sustained them for 40 years as they wandered through the wilderness. Right? We don't see manna falling from heaven anymore, but God still provides. And the way that God provides more often than not is through our ability to work and provide for our families. In Proverbs 10, verse 4, it says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. And again, in Proverbs 12:11, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. So you see here, from the book of Proverbs, we see that God often provides through our ability to work and provide for our family. And we, that can be a little bit of a, of a, a holdup for us, too, at times, because we think, all right, I'm the one that's working. I'm putting in the hours. I'm putting in the effort. Therefore, I'm the one providing for my family. But if we think about it, God is the one who's ultimately providing because he's the one that's given you that opportunity to work. He's the one that's provided that opportunity for you. He's the one that wakes you up every morning and allows you to go to work and sustains you in that way. So even in that, God is still the one who's providing. But we have a part to play too. We, we get up and we, we put in the effort to provide for our families. Because we see the, the opposite of this is true as well. Poverty, excuse me, laziness often leads to poverty. Now, there's a caveat here, right? Because certainly that's not the only thing that leads to poverty or inequality. If there was a direct correlation between how hard someone worked and how much wealth they had, right, there'd be a, some very rich people in third world countries who walk miles every day just to have access to clean drinking water, right? So it's not just about put in the work and you will get money out of the other side. It's not always that simple or that easy. Injustice oppression, unequal opportunity, a lack of generosity are all factors that play into this equation as well. And sometimes people suffer from their own sinful decisions and sometimes people suffer as a result of the sinful decisions of other people. So it's not always as easy as work harder and you'll be rich, right? That's not necessarily what what this is saying here. But generally speaking, Proverbs is on to something, that God provides for us through our ability to work and provide for our families in that way. And when we refuse to do that, there are consequences as well. So God is the one that ultimately provides, but then we have a responsibility to be good stewards of those resources. Everything belongs to God and comes from Him. Right? He is the ultimate source of these things. And, and Maria had a great, great children's chat to remind us of, of God's provision, especially through creation as well. Harvest is a great reminder of God's provision. In Psalm 24.1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In other words, everything belongs to God, from the, from the people to the animals to the hills to the grass. Right? Everything ultimately belongs to God because He is the creator and sustainer of it. And so therefore, we need to be good stewards. Right? Do you guys know what a steward is? A steward is someone who manages or cares for another person's property. Right, So when we are called to be good stewards, it means that we are caring for and managing what God has given us well. Because ultimately it belongs to Him and we should honor Him with how we use our resources. Proverbs as a whole, as the, the book of Proverbs as a whole, has a, has a pretty, over, uh, excuse me, pretty positive view of money. 
money is viewed as a blessing from God in, a, in the way that God provides for his people. And so the problems that we face with, with money and finances, the struggles that we often have, aren't, aren't a result of the money itself, right? Money is neutral. Money is neither evil nor good, right? It's a, it's a, it's a resource. It's a tool that God has provided for us. And so if we have problems with money, the problem isn't with the money. The problem is with us and our heart. 1 Timothy 6.10 says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice there, it doesn't say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's our attitude towards it, and it's how we interact with it that matters, right? And so we need to honor God by how we handle our money well. We need godly wisdom to handle it well. And so what I want to do with our time here today is is look at, first of all, a couple problems that we often have when we deal with money. And by, by we, I mean we. I mean all of us, right? It's easy to point fingers at other people and say, this is a problem that they have and, and it doesn't really affect me. I think it's important for us to be honest with ourselves and recognize that we all, to one degree or another, struggle in this area. That's why I think it's so hard to talk about at times um, and, and why it hits so close to home for many of us. And so we need to recognize the problems and then we need to recognize how we can then honor God with the wealth and the finances that he has provided us. And so first we need to recognize the problems. And one of the major problems is greed. Right? Proverbs 28:25 says, The greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Right? The problem with greed, right? the problem with, with wanting more and more and more is that greed is never satisfied. Right? A greedy person never gets to a, the point where they feel like they've had enough. The word in, in Proverbs 20:25 to describe the greedy person is a word that can be used to describe somebody who has a wide appetite, someone who just consumes more and more and more and is never satisfied. And that's a problem, right? And, that, and that's, the, that's the, an attitude of the heart when it comes to provision and wealth and finances. And when we're greedy, we can never have enough. And it says here that that greed ultimately leads to conflict. We see that in the New Testament in James chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. He says, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask a God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Notice the... the the crux of the issue there, right? He says, you don't have because you're asking with wrong motives. And what does he say the wrong motive is? So that we can spend what we have on our own pleasures, our own desires, right? That's at the heart of greed right there is wanting more and more to satisfy your own desires. And that's a wrong attitude for us to have. So greed is one problem, but dishonesty and corruption is another. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 23, it says, the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. What does this have to do with finances? Well, in a, in, a, in a bartering economy like they had in that day, right? they didn't have paper money that they could go and take to the store. They would barter and trade in order to provide. And so a person would go to the markets and they would have a, a, a sack of flour or some other resource and they would bring it to the market and they would trade that with a, with a person that was there. And they'd have a scale 
and they would set up weights, and that's how they would know how much of a, of a particular resource was being offered. But the problem was with some of these merchants is they'd have different weights that were labeled the same but weighed a different amount. And so they would put one weight on there when they were buying something in order to, to fool the person selling it and, and vice versa when they were selling it to, uh, to someone at the market. And so these differing weights were a way to be dishonest and to make money off of the vulnerable. And so it says the Lord detests those things. He detests dishonesty. He detests corruption. Dishonesty with money can only have a, not only, excuse me, can have a negative effect on you, but it greatly impacts others as well. When I'm dishonest, when I make decisions in order to gain more, the, the way that happens is by taking from someone else, right? So, so if I'm seeking to gain by, by taking from someone else, it also has a negative consequence on them. Proverbs 119, speaking of, 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 foolishness and, and unwise decisions. It says, such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. All right, ill-gotten gain leads to death. Not just physical death, obviously, but spiritual death as well. That, the, the corrupting factor that it can have on a person's life and attitude. So those are some of the major problems. It's certainly not an exhaustive list, but greed and dishonesty and corruption are problems that we all, to one degree or another, struggle with when it comes to our finances. And so how do we combat those things, those attitudes? How do we use our money wisely so that we may honor God with it? Well, Proverbs offers some advice in that area as well. And the first thing we need to do is we need to value wisdom. We need to value righteousness more than wealth. And that's what that first... Uh, first set of verses from Proverbs chapter 3 reminds us of that that wisdom, that righteousness is more valuable than gold, more valuable than rubies, more valuable than silver. We should seek after those things more than material wealth and possessions. In Proverbs, Proverbs 15, verses 16 and 17, it says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Right? Scripture over and over again says that, uh, that, that ultimately material possessions and wealth are not the ultimate goal of this life. That it should be a relationship with the Lord. It should be trusting in Him. And Proverbs 15 backs that up. And so we need to value wisdom and righteousness more than wealth. But it's also a reminder that we can't idolize money either. I mentioned this earlier and said I'd come back to it. Remember 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Right Again, it's that we have a tendency to idolize wealth. We have a tendency to, to value money and possessions more so than other things. In our life, and when we do that, it leads to all sorts of problem, problems. Again, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew six twenty four, "No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money." Unfortunately, we've made money very much an idol in our culture, haven't we? We we strive to always have more and more, the bigger and better. Uh, the one who has the bigger and better uh, things wins the day, right? That's the attitude that so many people have 
when it comes to wealth, we've made it the number one priority in our lives. And when we, when we view things that way, that's, that's idolatry, right? That's what Scripture calls idolatry, when we value something more than we value God. When we put something in the place that only God deserves, that is idolatry. And we need to make sure that we don't fall for that trap. Money ultimately won't buy you happiness. As the song says, it may buy you a boat, but it's certainly not going to buy you happiness and, and joy. Those sorts of things may be temporary, but they certainly will only be permanent. They will only be lasting when they're found in a relationship with the Lord. So we need to seek righteousness and wisdom first. We also need to learn how to honor God with our wealth. Rewinding a couple verses in Proverbs chapter 3 to something we read last week in verses 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Right? What is, Proverbs here is talking about how we, how we give back. We, we honor God with our wealth, first and foremost, by giving back to Him. Call it, you can call that a tithe. You can call that an offering. You can call that a gift. Whatever word you label it with, the idea is it's an act of obedience. It is giving back to God of the first fruits and not the leftovers. And it's important to recognize tithing for what it is, right? When we, when we give back to the church, when we give to First Church, right, we're not paying membership dues, right? It's not the church isn't a country club where you pay dues in order to belong. Anybody and everybody is welcome here at any time. Right? Those doors are open to anyone, whether you put something in the offering plate or not. But what we do when we put something in the offering plate, it's, it's our act of worship. It's our act of giving back to the Lord and, and asking Him to use those resources to further His kingdom. Whether here it's First Church or whether that's our ability to support and give back to other missionaries and organizations, that gift is meant to further the kingdom of God. And, and we need to remember that it's, it's giving back is, is of our first fruits. It's not the leftovers. You know, we could talk today about budgets and all that sort of thing and, and go into details like that, but that's not my goal or my plan for today. But I do want to say this, that, that, uh, that when we think about our finances, when we think about how we spend money as an individual or as a family, if we're not intentional about how we spend it, then it's just going to, we're going to realize that we're spending more in areas that we never really thought of. If, we, if we're not intentional about giving back to God, it's not going to happen. If we just wait to offer God whatever's left over at the end of the month in our budget, we're going to find more often than not that maybe there's not a lot there or nothing at all. And that's what it means to give God of our first fruits, is to be intentional and to be intentional about giving Him priority, not just in our lives, but also in our budgets as well. We need to recognize, too, as we talk about tithing, that it's not the, the end-all, be-all of Christian obedience. To tithe is to be obedient to God, but we also, in our tithing and our giving, must not forget the other matters of the law as well. It's possible to give generously, yet still completely miss the point. Tithing includes more than just your money. It includes more than just your treasure. It includes your talent and your time and your testimony as well. We also need to learn to seek provision, not abundance. And this is where that second scripture passage comes into play. Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9, reminds us that the love of money can be a temptation at both ends of the spectrum. Whether we have nothing or whether we have too much, we can, we can still dishonor God. And each end of the spectrum has their own temptations. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, when is enough enough? 
Right? When, when, when will you be satisfied with your material possessions and your resources? And the challenge in there is that when our focus is completely on our material possessions, enough will never be enough. Right? That's where that greed begins to set in and take hold of your life. True contentment not comes from material, doesn't come from material possessions. It comes from a relationship with the Lord and learning to be content in Him no matter what we have in our bank account. Again, 1 Timothy 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Right? Godliness there is the key. Christ is enough, and so we must learn to keep our focus on Him. The last thing I want to share with you here about about how to honor God with our wealth, there's so much here we can talk about, because I said the Bible does cover this so much, but I want to remind you that, that honoring God with our wealth also means giving generously. I've talked about this a little bit with the tithe, but it's so much more than that. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others, plain and simple. And sometimes that involves giving to the church, but sometimes that just means being generous with other people in much more informal kinds of ways. So we must be a good steward of the resources that God has provided so that we can honor Him, we can bring Him glory, and that we can use it for for others' good as well. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. How much are you withholding from others? Right now, not that you owe them anything necessarily, but, but what could you do to bless another person? And are you willing to take that extra step in order to bless them? Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. We have a responsibility to care for others, especially within the church. Many times the way that God provides is not supernaturally with manna from heaven, but it's through the generosity and the giving of other people. One of my favorite funds we have here at the church is the Those in Need Fund. And it's our way of being able to come alongside people from our church and from our community and blessing them in a in a discreet way, right? We're not, we're not putting their names all over church budgets, right? We're, we're, we're blessing them by, by providing for them uh, in, in a way that, that they directly need. And so those in need fund is a great example of that. And your giving and your generosity goes to make a practical impact on other people. See, our love for God should result in love for others. Jesus didn't just send thoughts and prayers, right, when he came to this world. Thoughts and prayers are good. In fact, one of the greatest prayers in the Bible is when Jesus prayed for his disciples and for all that, he'd follow that, all that would follow them in John 17. He prayed for them, but he also put his love into action. He laid down his life. And if we've experienced the love of Christ for ourselves, then we should be more than willing to demonstrate that love to others by meeting their practical needs whenever possible. You see, ultimately, when it comes to money, when it comes to the honoring God with our wealth, we need to look at it from this perspective, right? Financial freedom is good. Being out of debt is good. Having a budget is good. Being a good steward of those resources are all good and valuable things. But freedom in Christ is our ultimate goal, right? You can be the richest, most generous, most financially astute individual in the entire world, but if you don't have Christ, you have nothing, So don't confuse material blessings, material provision for spiritual blessings. 
You see, it's possible to be rich in the world, but to be poor in Christ. It's possible to be poor in the world and yet rich in Christ. Remember what Proverbs 30 talked about? Give me neither poverty nor riches. Right? That's the only prayer that's recorded in the book of Proverbs. It's the only one. And I think it's there for a reason because finances do hit so close to home, hit, hit people in the heart so often. And so that prayer is there so that we can follow its example. Ask God to free you from the idolatry of money, the grip that it can have on your life so that you may honor God in all circumstances. You need to remember to seek him more than riches. Christ in his, world, in his word excuse me, will satisfy our greatest needs. Everything else will pale in comparison to knowing him. The more we turn our attention to Christ, the more material riches will lose the grip they have on our lives. And finally, we need to find eternal riches in our relationship with Christ. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Christ gave up everything to rescue us. He was rich, right? He was, he was rich. He was at the right hand of God in heaven. And he gave up all of that in order to become poor, to become like one of us so that we might be forgiven and saved, so that we have an eternal home to look forward to. And that is ultimately what's important. As we think about the book of Proverbs, you know, this isn't, this isn't looking and taking Christ and, and placing him back in the book of Proverbs where he doesn't belong, right? Obviously, Proverbs itself points to Christ and points to Jesus. But even that idea of eternal riches, of an eternal home in heaven, is found in the book of Proverbs. I want to close by reading Proverbs 11, 4 through 7. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless makes their path straight, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. Hope placed and mortals die with them. All the power, promise of their power comes to nothing. Father God, I thank you that you have provided us wisdom on how to handle our wealth. Lord, ultimately it is worthless on the day of wrath. And ultimately it is your righteousness, Christ, your righteousness imbued to us that delivers us from death. But while we were here, Lord, help us to be good stewards of the resources that you provided. Help us to use our wealth wisely and in a way that honors you so that we may be a blessing to those in need. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service today, I invite you to stand and sing our final song with us. It is number 455, Come All Christians Be Committed.
Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.